Women writing and selling community cookbooks to raise money for a cause has a long history in America, and it's nice to see a modern version of such a cookbook. Collected and written by Sylvia Baldini and Sharon Frankie, it's a book full of recipes contributed by members of the New York chapter of Les Dames d'Escoffier. It's on tip of the tongue. Welcome to Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Sylvia Baldini and Sharon Frankie, collectors and authors of the new cookbook, Les Dames d'Escoffier, New York Cookbook. Welcome to both of you. The book is dedicated to Carol Brock, the legendary founder of LDEI, which is an organization of women in the culinary and hospitality business. So nice to have you here, Sylvia and Sharon. Sylvia, we'll start with you. Why don't you tell us how you got involved in food at all? Oh, that's a good story. Thank you for asking why I got involved into food. Well, this is my second career. Food is my second career. So for uh, many years, I was a creative director in the city, a very big agency of Madison. And I also was a partner for 10 years in my own advertising agency. I had a fabulous career. And then in my mid 30s, I always was incredibly attracted about food and I love to cook and and you know I'm from Italy something that kind of it's in my blood and I had the great uh, idea of change in my career then because I thought it would be a little easier and less hours than advertising little did I know <laughs> so I ended up first getting a degree at the time it was called the ice ice you know it was a international culinary center together and then I Ended up going to Cornell, I get a master in food and hospitality. And eventually I moved to London with my husband and I got a, actually a full-on chef situation at Cordon Bleu. So, you know, that's how kind of I started. I worked in London at many restaurants, including the Ritz, many Michelin star restaurants throughout Europe. And then I came back here and started my career. <laughs> okay. And Sharon, what about you? Um, well, I always loved, <clears throat> I always loved food. I loved to eat from the time I was a little kid, and I was always looking for food adventures. I graduated from college with a degree in history, and at the time I had a young child, I was home and I entertained a lot. I cooked all the time, and people were constantly saying to me, "You should open a restaurant." <laughs> so. I decided that I needed some professional training and I went to New York City Technical College in Brooklyn and I did all of the culinary and pastry work there and I did some even some restaurant business work there. And at the time that I was finishing up, I was also separating from my husband. I really needed to earn a living at that point. And it just was a natural thing to move into restaurants. And so... 
you know, as part of the culture at City Tech to become a restaurant chef. And so I got a job in restaurants. I worked primarily in the World Trade Center um, for a corporation called Inhilco, which operated all of the restaurants in the World Trade Center. And I worked there for, I, I believe, about six and a half years. I basically worked every position in all of their restaurants, including the market bar <clears throat> and dining rooms, which at the time had received three stars from Mimi Sheridan. Um, but, you know, after a while, I, you know, at the beginning, it was really fun. But after a while, I thought, you know, I'm not going to be a famous chef. I'm not going to own my own restaurant. And working in a restaurant is a blue collar job. And at the beginning, I got a big kick out of it. But after a while, I realized this isn't what I really want to be doing with my life. I'm not surrounded by people that I necessarily want to be surrounded by. And I started looking for a job. I looked at the time jobs were advertised in the New York Times. That's how people got their jobs. And I looked under Home Economist because I knew that jobs would be, you know, food-related jobs would be posted on under Home Economics. And there was a job listed for Good Housekeeping magazine. It was a it was a job developing my recipes for the microwave oven. And I remember I went for the job um, interview. I knew nothing about microwave ovens, but I just kind of lied my way through the interview, said I knew how to develop recipes, knew how to cook in a microwave oven. And I'll never forget the woman who hired me said, well, I'm very impressed with your cooking skills, but can you write? Uh -huh. And I looked at her and I said, I went to college. I was like stunned by the by the question. And she made me do a writing assignment to make sure that I could write. And she hired me. And I borrowed my next door neighbor's microwave oven and forced myself to cook dinner in the microwave for the next month until the job actually started. And after I, in any event, I wound up staying at Good Housekeeping Magazine for 30 years in eventually becoming the director of the Kitchen Appliances Lab, where I became an expert in kitchen equipment. And it was really a dream job. I mean, for somebody who loved food, getting to test every piece of equipment on the face of the earth was wonderful. And... I got to really know everything there is to know about cooking equipment for the consumer anyway. If, you know, so I had a fabulous job. I had lots of opportunities to speak and to represent the magazine and did do a lot of writing, probably more writing than cooking at the magazine. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. And so how long, let's go back to you, Sylvia. How long have you been a dom? Oh, Adam, I've been Adam, I, I believe, I don't want to lie, all, but I think it's been five, four or five years, I think. I was uh, inducted, I think, in 2019. So that makes, uh, yeah, something like that. And uh, it's been an amazing uh, experience. It's something that I feel is kind of the, cro the crown of my, of my career, it's something that I wanted. And, you know, it's an honor to be part uh, of this uh, amazing group of women we call ourselves tribal tribalizers and uh, you know it's an achievement and and it's it's something that it's special to me I found like a group of women that we always say you know they're like my people I've been in many throughout my career from I've been in many women's organization men's organization but these are women that I first of all are type a personality <laughs> like me and they want to get things done. And, you know, I wanted to give back to the community, the food community and the mission from La Dame's Descoffiers to give back to 
uh, women and scholarships. And, and it's something that really resonates with uh, this time in my career. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how long I've been and why I'm with the Doms. <laughs> and, and you, Sharon, how long have you been a Dom? I've been a Dom for about 10 years and I'm a past president of the organization and also chair of currently the chair of the scholarship committee. So how how did you decide to do this this book? And is it the first book that your chapter has done? That's a very good question. So Steering the Pot is the first book that the New York chapter has produced and published. There is one book from Le Dames International that was done, I don't remember the date, but some time ago, it's a hard copy. But this Steering the Pot is definitely the first book from our chapter. And what, did you ask why we wanted to do it? Yes. <laughs> it's a why, long did you story. why did you decide to? So to at the time, I, yeah, I joined. When I joined, you know, when you join, you kind of have to find, I, I suppose, something to do and, and how to get involved with the Dams and, you know, one and how to raise money. And I feel, you know, there is a lot of ways you can do events, you can go out and, and you know, solicit, solicit for donation. But I felt that this group could very well put together a good book. And uh, the idea was to use it for fundraising. And so, you know, I approached Sharon at the time she was the president and, you know, she was very enthusiastic. And so we kind of spearheaded the, this, this uh, crazy project that, has been going on for, you know, it started basically three years ago, pre-pandemic. And, you know, I think it started in our mind. I mean, I we always wanted to be the best because, you know, it's an important uh, group of women. But as we started, it was a little bit of a grassroots project. And we wanted to, you know, just put it out there and collect a recipe. We wanted to be a real cookbook. And as we worked together, it grew you know, we we started collecting recipe. We had an opportunity to get photography. And then, you know, and, and Shannon will tell you more. We have the opportunity to talk to a publisher. We put together actually a real proposal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the process was behind the scene was the real process, how, the, the real how you publish a book. And so, you know, the, the thing is we went to the publisher with the proposal, but also with the book that was, packaged and ready to go and photographed not edited really but because you know we edited in, in, in internally actually Sharon was like you know the the driving and editing everything and and you know I was I'm always been more of the visual person so we we worked really well together uh in that sense but then you know the the publisher brought a little bit of more extra editing and it brought a little you know the final steps and so Sharon why, as president, did you think that this would be a good project? And did you have, like, was it enthusiastically adopted by the whole group? Or how did you have some foot dragging or how, what happened? Okay, well, I have, first of all, a lot of the, all of the credit for the idea goes to Sylvia. Really, Sylvia brought the idea to the organization when she joined and along with great enthusiasm. And, you know, as president, one of my missions always, and the organization's mission as well is to raise as much money as possible for scholarships. 
um, you know, in addition to supporting our own members, we, we try to encourage, you know, the ge next generation that's coming up by giving scholarships to women who are in culinary schools and nutrition programs and beverage programs. So I did see it as a new and unique way for us to raise a substantial amount of money. And there was a huge, I, I will say, honestly, there was a huge amount of enthusiasm at the beginning. And you know, in our initial calls, there were probably at least 10 people on the phone. By the end of the project, it was Sylvia and I. It's so true. <laughs> the last women but, standing. <laughs> the only so, women you know, standing. <laughs> but, you know, people were very enthusiastic about submitting their recipes and about seeing the book come to fruition. And they've certainly been very supportive in promoting the book now that it's here. But, you know, in a way, it was a good thing that it was just primarily Sylvia and I working on it, because sometimes, you know, too, what is the expression, you know, too many people can, can ruin things. And, you know, Sylvia was, you know, as the driving force behind it, was really responsible for collecting the recipes, for the curation of the recipes, for the certainly for the design of the book, um, for the photography. And my role was primarily as the editor. And I would say that we really brought a pretty much finished product to the publisher. Um, I think there was very little editing and very little redesign. I mean, certainly they weighed in and gave it the final touches and made it perfect. But we brought them something that was just about ready to go. But we had spent three long years working on it. And I'd like to say that, you know, when we first, I can remember one of our initial calls when there were still 10 people on the, on the call and we thought, you know, what do we want to achieve here? Let's talk about the book itself, not just the money raising aspect of it. And at that time, I have to say it was the middle of the pandemic. People were cooking at home a lot. Everybody, even our own members were saying, you know, I need more ideas. I don't know what to cook. And so the premise was really, what are the doms cooking at home? We wanted primarily a collection of recipes that people could actually use and cook from. So we didn't want it to be a chef's book where it's like, hey, you know, if you want to spend a zillion dollars and on equipment and on food and hours in the kitchen, you can create what, you know, Eric Repair has done. That wasn't our goal. Our goal was to give people recipes they could prepare easily in their own kitchen. And, you know, we also viewed it as a chance, you know, kind of to take a look, take a peek into people's kitchens. Like here are women who are the, among the most distinguished women in food, but what do they do when they're home? And, you know, as you can tell from the recipes, a lot of them are looking for the same things that consumers are looking for. Easy, few ingredients, not too expensive, family Wait. friendly. Wait. So, it, you know, there are, there are definitely a few recipes, you know, that are longer and a little bit more, take a little bit more time and effort. But I think those are also appropriate for people at home who entertain, who have more cooking skills, you know, at, who at times want something special. But we really try to keep it as recipes that were really accessible to people. And when you look at the book, you realize that we really did achieve that goal. You know, so many of the recipes are easy to do. I know my recipes, I have one recipe for brownies that's cooked in one bowl. I have another recipe, you know, that speaks to my microwave heritage. It's made in the microwave also in one dish. So, you know, 
I think we, for the most part, we achieved that goal. And the feedback we've gotten from people who have cooked the recipe so far has been fantastic. We haven't heard from anyone that something hasn't worked or it doesn't taste delicious. And I want to add that, you know, this group, I agree with everything that Sharon said. First of all, she was definitely the force behind editing. My spelling is not the best, by the way. Thank God for Sharon. But what's important to me it was also that this community of women or this group of women encompasses a lot of, there is not only chefs or, or recipe writers. We have a large population of beverage and wine and, you know, women in, that are part of this industry. We have PR, we, you know, we have all sorts of women that are involved in the food. So they all gave something. And, you know, we, for example, we have Pascaline Le Peltier who gave a pairing uh, for each recipe. And that was, uh, to, to me, incredibly important. We have women that are in PR or, or in, in, you know, in, in photography or writing, not specifically, you know, recipe made that gave us recipes. And we, we also have a few chefs. And so, you know, there was a lot of discussion about should we put, but they're part of the dam. So maybe those recipes are a touch more difficult, but I feel the chefs, that's how they cook at home. For example, my recipe, a couple of my recipes are not, you know, a little more complicated. That's how I cook at home, frankly. And so I wanted to, you know, we wanted to, to show like this kind of variety also. And one thing that came, which was, I think, elevated the book was, being able to tap into the kindness of Lydia Bastianik, you know, she's been a, a dom for a long time and a friend of Carol Brock, and she was very kind and, and wrote a, a very touching uh, dedication to Carol. And I think that really helped the book, you know, just, just to get attention, even from the publisher and so from Carla Hall, you know, she wrote a, a forward. And I think these little touches really help package the book. I think you're right. I think the book is very much a package. At the same time, one of the things that I very much like about it is it is, in a sense, a community cookbook, like those community cookbooks of organizations like the Ladies Auxiliary of XYZ Hospital in Topeka, Kansas, or something like that, where all of the members um, submit a recipe. And even though the level of cooking and the taste is perhaps different. It's still one of those things where people are creating a community cookbook to support some, some project and some philanthropy that they think is important. And I just like that sense of history and continuity of history that this book also represents. Even though it doesn't look like a community cookbook, it looks like a a professionally put together cookbook and the writing and everything is crisp and not all about, you know, Mrs. John Smith's favorite recipe for her lace tablecloth, you know, that kind of thing. It's not like that. Well, it, it has that in its, in its past. I want to add that it's not like that because Sharon was really good at cleaning up the voice when we received all these recipes. <laughs> no, and, it, and that's what happens in community books. And I, I have two points in this. You get everybody's ideas and everybody's voice or style of writing. And I think she worked really hard in uh, bringing in the stories and in the biographies, uh, the same voice, which was important to both of us. We didn't want, and, you know, we worked together really hard in making sure that 
although were recipes that came from different people, they were written like professional recipes in, in a sense that were very consistent and, you know, in the way the steps are and the ingredients are, 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 um, are formatted. The thing, yeah. And the other thing that is important is, you know, I've done a lot of community book It's something that I really like to do. I've done a, you know, in the past and I've read a lot of history about it and how to actually develop books. And there is a gigantic, I think the first cookbook in, in United States, if I'm not wrong, was a community book. And there is a, a gigantic history in this type of publications. And some of them are really valuable and a way to, to really bring history and traditions while doing, like you said, some charitable work. There is a book that I think I have downstairs. I should have brought it upstairs. That was done in the fifties during election. Election time is a big time for doing these kind of books and you know there is a book that has Frank Sinatra and I think the uh, Jackie Onassis recipe and I have it downstairs somewhere and and they're they're, they're very valuable because you have a, a window a real window in history and 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 how people think at the time so no I I think that's definitely true so what was the biggest surprise Sharon that you had in putting this together you know, you know, it was interesting how many of the recipes are family recipes. So many people had handed in recipes that came from their mothers, from their grandmothers, even people who are accomplished cooks and have their own collection of recipes. The one they submitted was the one that had been handed down. And, you know, one of my favorites is a, a plum tart from Janine Sorlin. And it's called, I think, Mama, Mom's, Graham, Graham's plum tart, because it was made by both her mother and her grandmother but she also made it herself professionally many times and it is an absolutely delicious recipe. I think the only tweak she said she had made was that she added almond extract to it. And I have to say when I made it, I added some vanilla to it, which she didn't have in it. But, you know, that was interesting. There's another very accomplished named Deborah Minchoff, who's a food stylist. She was at one time one of the most prominent food stylists probably in the country. And all of the recipes that she submitted came from her mother. There's a, a recipe for a lamb pot roast that's, you know, quite unusual because you usually pot roast is beef. There's an unusual strudel recipe that came from her grandmother. You know, Rita Jamey, who's very distinguished within the world of wine, submitted Iraqian recipes. Her her heritage is Iraqi, and I didn't even realize that. I thought she came from Lebanon. But she submitted, you know, two recipes that she said is are the ones her sons want her to cook when they come to her, when they come for dinner at her house. So, you know, that was a surprise to me. And I think the stories, every recipe has a head note that's that's fairly long, at least at least one long paragraph. And it really tells the story of the recipe and why it's important to the person who submitted it. And I think they're very heartwarming and really give you a feel for the person who wrote the recipe. In fact, one of my friends said, after I read the recipes, I really wanted to know more about the person who submitted it. And I was so happy to then see at the back that there was a bio and a picture of the person so I could make the connection because there is a very personal sense to each recipe. And 
to to add to that, I don't, you know, to us, it was one of the first book that is an anthology of New York women that are the real deal. You know, these days there's a lot of, uh, you know, women that say they're in the food industry that, you know, write cookbooks, but they're not really, you know, don't know nothing about food. And to to us, this was to, to really collect an anthology of women that have importance and substance uh, in the in the food industry and in New York particularly. And one of my, you know, there is a couple of recipes that I really liked as well in the historical sense. There is a latka recipe by Dame, sorry, Marilyn <laughs> Her last name to, to an Italian is impossible to pronounce. It's Marilyn Rosowski. Um, I know Meryl, so. She yes. is fantastic and, and a dear friend of ours. And her recipe, she has many recipes, including the cocktail, but this one, the latkes, to me, is so beautiful because I got to know that her husband was the son of an incredible ballerina from the New York, you know, and, and this recipe was served, you know, in their home during the holidays. And to me, it was a beautiful story. And the photography came with it and we got to actually display it in the book. So things like that, I think, you know, really change and make this book particular. And then you have really modern and young. This is another thing that was important to us was to show that we are a vibrant organization and that we wanted to include the new late, you know, the new women of this organization who are young, vibrant, and the new future of the dams. And so you'll see a lot of those recipes that and from women that do, you know, they are the new generation of the dams de Scoffier in New York. Uh, we're very proud to have Dame Kat Craddock, who just actually purchased. Sephora magazine and is reinstating the the print magazine as an indie magazine. And I'm incredibly fascinated by by this story and what she, and I can't wait to see what, what she's doing. So we have these kind of stories in there as well. So how are you marketing the book and where can people get it so that we can make sure that it gets into the hands of all the people who are now waiting waiting to get it after they hear everything you've said. So, well, I'll jump in and then I want Sharon to round up because otherwise I speak too much as always. <laughs> and we both have a very good opinion. So we have, you know, we're lucky to have, first of all, women that in the, in the dams that are actually, you know, publicists and, and communication uh, people. So definitely we, we are working with them to do traditional, you know, PR. We're reaching out to, you know, this summer Sharon and I worked really hard on a press on press releases and building a website, you know, so you can find it at steering the pot steering the pot New York.com. We have, you know, we're on all over social media on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, again at steering the pot New York. Um, and so we are working really hard to reach out to, you know, regular media. We have various programs. Personally, I'm working on, on a series of videos using, you know, to market ourselves. You can buy us on Amazon and a regular thing. But definitely we, we are going out and fundraising. So we are doing a lot of events, organizing a lot of events, uh, connecting with a lot of brands. We have, for example, one event coming up was quite interesting where like uh, the Caliba and uh, Chocolate Academy in New York donated their space 
they're happy to you know pair with Le, Le Dames de Scoffier, put their name out there and let us do an event and sell the book. So we're doing a lot of that. And then Sharon has a great campaign going on that I'll let her speak to it. It's called Cook the Book uh, on Instagram. I think it's a fabulous idea. And and uh, so we're looking for vir viral ideas. I that's the you know a great way to 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 do it. And as we develop, you know, again, it's a grassroots. Uh, we you know we're trying not to deplete the funds that we get from you know from from selling a book. It's the two of us really going out and and uh, and coming up with ideas and fundraising and and doing a grass grassroots campaign. But I think Sharon should take over. To, uh, I really like the cook the book idea. So yeah, and, and to answer your question, it's available at Amazon. It's available at bookshop. Dot org. It's available at bookstores all over the country. Um, Barnes and Noble in New York is certainly selling it. So um, if people have trouble finding it, certainly you can get it from Amazon in a, in a couple of days. Um, we, we are doing selling some of the books ourselves, but we're trying to limit the amount of books we sell because we we're not booksellers. That's not our business. And Sylvia and I don't want to be stuffing envelopes with books in addition to everything else we do. Standing um, look at my living room right now. <laughs> you should see the table in my living room at the moment. <laughs> it's boxes and boxes of books. Yeah. So tell, tell yeah, us. Yeah, you kind of froze book? up a little bit. Tell, tell us about Cook the Book. Yeah, so... so so I've been trying to cook my way through the book. And, you know, when I cook a recipe, I photograph it and I post it on Instagram and on Facebook. And I, you know, encourage other people to do the same. If a friend of mine publish, you know, cooks a recipe from the book, I ask them to send it to me so that I also can promote it in that way. And we would like to do that in a more formal way, but we think it's a great way to show the results of the book, to get personal feedback on how the recipe tasted and how much people enjoyed the recipe. Because again, really the point of the book is to use it for cooking. You know, a good cookbook should have lots of stains and tatters and be brought right into the kitchen and be used a lot. And that's what we really want for this cookbook, that it be, you know, people's favorite cookbook. And as I said, a lot of the recipes are, you know, books that we have made all time and time again. And we think that the readers of the cookbook will make time and time again, because again, you know, the recipes come from people who are really experts in their field. So they know what they're doing when they write a recipe. So, and, and if uh, they didn't, then they had, they had the benefit of, of Sylvia and I to help really tweak them and make sure that everything worked right. And I feel that, you know, lately, just in the past two days, I mean, we're very fresh to this, but I'm getting a lot of out, you know, outside the circle people, which is quite exciting, not just Ladams, to email me or tag me on, on social media with something that have, they have done uh, from the book. And I'm slowly, you know, with my, you know, this is like a, a part-time job I also have full-time job and teenagers and 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 senior in high school I repost and this is creating uh, a buzz you know they, they're cooking last night I I got a beautiful like there's a recipe for uh, an artichoke dip somebody interpreted the artichoke dip in this beautiful pumpkin and and it was just incredible and so we're starting to get you know 
people outside the circle. And that's really important because it puts the the voice out there. And what we were really excited about was is also to see that only after two weeks, Stealing the Pot is number is the number one release on Amazon in cookbook, cookbooks in new releases, which is quite an achievement for a book like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you to both of you, Sylvia and Sharon, for being on the podcast today. And uh, I hope that you sell lots of books and make a lot of money for scholarships. Is that what it's for? For scholarships Mm -hmm. that are given out by LaDoms. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, a part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Subscribe to this and other food and drink related podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to keep up with me, Liz Williams, you can subscribe to my Substack newsletter, also called Tip of the Tongue, for more information about this podcast, recipes, and just what is going on. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.